0: You something and now i cannot remember i just had in my goddamn head well, oh i i feel like we should tell the fans here uh what little con what little um conundrum we had last weekend oh you mean when i threw my <laughs> fucking phone away yeah so
1: after the show my car was not shifting for the last few months so i've been taking lifts over here and cody's been giving me a ride back and uh after the show, I got all my cans and notes and belongings together and and got in the car and Cody was giving me a ride home and we get about to well, well, how long, about eight miles from here. Yeah, somewhere like that. And I say, Cody, I don't have my phone. <laughs> so he calls Bianca. She comes back up to the studio and looks everywhere, high and low, on the chair, under the table. It's uh, nowhere to be found. So Cody's calling it over and over again. And I say, Well, I'll go stand in the garage and see if I can hear it buzzing or something. And sure enough, from the recycle bin, Adam's cell phone buzzing away like, like a like
0: so many other pieces of litter. I don't know how or why you did it, yeah. but uh yeah, that was the first. You probably wanna do that again, hopefully. Oh, uh- <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'll do that again at some point. We'll just keep you away from any sort of recycling
1: apparatus. and Or if I just... I don't know. I must have had too many cans in my hand, mm. and I got
0: distracted by the amount of cans I had. You know what? That happens, honestly. I've... I've thrown away so much shit that I didn't intend to. That thrown that, away, I will have to say that's the f- thrown away. If
1: I don't, if I don't catch you on that, I know <laughs> someone else
0: will. And I, you want know that the, they love to though.
1: They love when you stuff away. They
0: love to catch it and then harass me about it. It's just. It's kind of like how the show goes at this point. You know, I've just accepted my role. I threw it away, me old mucka. <laughs> Is that with the Scots? Is that all the Scots say it? <laughs> yeah. You I threw so. it away? You threw it away, me old mucky. Have you been watching something with Scottish people in it again? No. No. Jeez, no. Uh,
1: I did start watching. Okay, so I've seen the first episode of Boardwalk Empire like 12 times. Okay. I just have, I cannot... Over the years, I've tried. I've been like, I'm going to watch this. I love The Sopranos. I love everything else. I love Buscemi. I'll give it a run. So I've seen the first episode 10 or 11, 12 times. And now I'm on
0: episode three.
1: And uh, it's a pretty good show. Maybe yeah. I'm at a point in my life no. where that's a pretty
0: good show. Look, it's a good show. I enjoy it. The problem for me is looking at... Steve Buscemi, like he's a sexual oh, and he's person, yeah, fucking that gorgeous yeah. show lady, yeah, it's just so it takes me out of there. I mean, I I don't know. He just he's like the ugliest person in the show, yeah. Even well, more, he's, the, he's like the ugliest person on earth, but he's made a <laughs> career out of that, which is good. Like the guy who has half his face blown off and he has like the little mask on. He's more attractive than that guy. Yes, as that guy came into the series yet
1: yeah i think that's exactly i just saw him before i started coming over here
0: he's kind of cool he's kind of a cool character the if you can make it to the end of the second season and not be like what the fuck is going on here i'll be pretty amazed all right well challenge accepted i guess honestly that guy his little crony i guess this the gelled back hair crony his little nephew is it his or nephew?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. It's either his nephew or his son. On episode three, he like, mm. you remember he goes and s- and gives his mom a necklace mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then he steals it back because mm-hmm. he's got to pay Nucky 3000 and then he just fucking takes his 3000 and puts it on the roulette table, <laughs> loses and walks away. And that would be life changing money for that kid. Yeah. That's a great scene. That's yeah. a good scene.
0: Well, that kid, I'm pretty sure, sparked the like hipster haircut. I, I I was calling it boardwalk yeah. empire
1: haircuts yeah. when that, cause yeah. that lines up with that show came out and then all the little douchebags ended up <laughs> with that haircut. That stupid shave side, <laughs> stupid haircut. It's stupid. And it, guess I, what? That fucking, that spun off the man buns too. When that hairstyle started. <laughs> You your
0: hair's at the length. You could I'm way be past rocking, Man Bun Kid. You could be rocking I'm Way a man bun. past it.
1: It's it's
0: ponytail now. Well, maybe your veteran samurai. Now. No, no,
1: no. <laughs> then I would be bald all the way. I would have the 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 cul-de-sac.
0: Well maybe you should do that. Mm. That might not be a bad luck. Let's uh bring that in here. Mm. Oh you know what, actually, should we maybe before we blame Boardwalk Empire, maybe David Beckham was rocking that for a long time. Bend it like Beckham was. I think he was. I don't remember when, like he was like the sex symbol for the world. Yeah, and well, '90s Ireland also had that, but instead
1: of back, they would like put it forwards with gel, so it was like stringy and real. That's worse. Real knackery. That looking. is worse. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh my God! Why it, would you? That ever was have that? in
1: the days where you were wearing Umbro everything <sighs> as well. God. umbro shorts umbro mm, shirts mm. and i don't know how you could because those things like made me chafe so bad <laughs> that material is the worst do they, what about like rain jacket pole? what about south no nah, i couldn't you, you couldn't
0: them. do the south come pole. on you know i'm not doing <laughs> south pole
1: fubu sean john I, i'm just staying away from that stuff I'm plus not... when i
0: was a kid we didn't have any money so i had walmart pants I'm i sure. would I I saw someone recently with like a FUBU something another, and I was a little blown away it still existed. Have you ever
1: watched Atlanta? Uh, no. We'll do that, and then okay. we'll talk about FUBU. <laughs> okay, it's on Hulu, Fubu? so go for they it. They love FUBU. No, it's uh, it's uh, it's a joke in the second okay.
0: season. doesn't it have the rapper in it?
1: Well, yeah, oh, childish, childish Gambino. You know, yeah. I would say actor first, then rapper
0: okay I, wasn't he a comedian first yeah and then an actor Me, then an rapper. rapper yeah okay but so he's a real jamie fox brilliant the kid's yeah. the smartest kid mm. that's ever been mm.
1: Donald i, I Glover. actually
0: i actually like his song firefly more than anything i like the uh one that got him real popular this is america yeah yeah firefly you never heard it i pretty guess pretty good Pretty good. It's got a line in there that I'm, as a white person, I'm not allowed to um, say, but it's uh, it's pretty good. He's got a whole album that's like a funk album, and it's amazing. Funk? Yeah. Huh? I'll
1: put it in the, or I'll, I'll just text it to you. <laughs> okay. We won't, we'll keep these people out of it. <laughs> okay. Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Bumblebutt Podcast, the only podcast on the internet that uploads weekly. Who knows what it'll be about? Certainly not me. My name is Adam, sitting across from me as ever codesford hello adamsford how uh, are you you know i'm all right Doing. you well. know i don't know if it works with our name i mean it works with your names because mm. it's cody Codesford. you should be like adamsworth maybe. adamsworth kind of or like adsworth
0: Adsworth. there you go adsford but even that to, i don't know <coughs> i'm just i've always been old uncle apaw mm. even since i that's was like 15 that's a class did i ever tell you about my favorite nickname someone gave himself The mildly attractive, uh, whatever his name That's great. It was, uh, that way you're not, you're not hating yourself, but you're obviously not overly cocky. You're just You're You're ribbing yourself,
1: Mm -hmm. but you're also, you know you got something. Mm -hmm. So I'll be the mildly attractive old Uncle (laughs) Apa, and you can be just- uh, I'll uh, be Codesford. That's fine. Codesford Eugene.
0: Uh, I don't know where the Eugene comes from, but I like it. Yeah, it just
1: works. C-E-W. I think I got that from Jordan, who got that from Brad. Okay, that's what I think. All right, that's the lineage. That's there. the
0: lineage there of nicknames. I like it. Let's uh, let's keep a rolling. Well, let's fucking forge right into the episode today. You ready? Are you ready? I, I you wouldn't ready? say
1: right into it, as once again we're about nine minutes in. Well, <laughs> this is
0: this is just what they've came to expect yeah, at this point. The foreplay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's lube it up, nice and <laughs> nice and sticky. This week we will again be delving into a murder that occurred in the late 1800s. Well, hey, that almost fits in with the Boardwalk Empire. <laughs> it's time just frame. what we do, man. The interesting thing, actually, this part will fit in with the Boardwalk Emperor, Empire. Perfect. The interesting thing about this particular individual is the only way I can describe him is as a Victorian-era fuckboy. Oh. Okay, that will all make sense as we get deeper into the episode does, here. is he, like, does he work with her at, like best buy
1: and he's like hey i watch downtown abbey too i don't care that you have a boyfriend i'll i'll just hang out in the wings and try and fuck you
0: he's more of a dubious fuck boy he's much more dubious oh you know obviously they were living downtown abbey yeah uh, at this point so they didn't have to talk about it on tv oh i'm so in tune with your feelings the little murder pamphlet that always seems to be distributed in the papers during this time period depicts this gentleman with his hair slicked down the middle, wearing sharp Prince Nez glasses. Prince Nez, I believe. Is it Prince Nez? I believe it is. Okay, yes. I, I didn't know what these were, but then, They're the little uh, clip on the nose boys. Were they? Yeah. Okay, I, a picture of... Um, I think Ulysses S. Grant pops up when you yeah. search that. So. Yeah, he he wore a pince-nez a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, he also has a well-groomed little mustache mm-hmm. and an outfit that would make you believe he was a respectable gentleman. But the truth is, behind his dapper appearance, I believe he was just your textbook narcissistic sociopath. Sure. The char- <laughs> We've covered them before. Uh, quite a few of them, <laughs> yeah. I would say. The charming man we will be talking about today is named Carlisle W. Harris. Ooh, I love it already. <laughs> Not a lot of Carlisles. Not. It's a pretty rare name. I think I've known one Carlisle in my whole life. That seems like a place. Like, meet me down at the Carlisle. Right. Not so much a name. It's like a repair shop. Yeah. That's kind of what I would call it there. Yeah. Once again, we have no idea the exact date of his birth, but the year he was born was in 1868 in the great state of New York. As far as his parents go, we do not know his father's name, but his mother is what one might consider a formidable woman. Yeah, brick shit house. <laughs> yeah, she's she was tough. the uh, she was the one uh, the disciplinarian I imagine.-hmm. Interestingly. His parents actually did something that would be would have been considered a vile and disgusting act for the time period. They got a divorce. <gasps> I'm surprised they weren't burned at the stake and crucified. I mean, they're not going to heaven. They made a promise <laughs> before their parents and God that they would stay <laughs> together forever. Dude, I can't even... Im- Once we hear about his mother, like... I'm surprised she even has a life after getting a divorce, right? She, Unless it's yeah. very deep. It's a Boy, big secret. Yeah, yeah. That could, could be too, yeah. But yeah, I
1: don't know. I don't know if you're just, uh, at this time, if you're just a pariah, you're just an outcast
0: from the community if you're divorced. yeah, Right, right. So because of the divorce, Carlisle's mother basically raised her on her own. Now, this obviously isn't a bad thing, but the bad part was that his mother was, by all accounts, what one would consider a domineering mother mm. Carlyle's mother went by the pen name of Hope Ledyard <laughs> Because she was a best-selling author who wrote mostly children's books. It's this fucking way to prove the
1: point that mm-hmm. I've been thinking about. People that make only kid-friendly shit mm-hmm. are the worst people <laughs> because they don't have an outlet like we have to talk about this shit and get it off our head.
0: So you think that's Hope's problem here? I think Hope
1: loved to beat her little baby boy maybe because uh, uh, because that's all she did was make children's content and she needed a... a fucking violent outlet
0: okay now she as far as we know we did she didn't beat him okay she was just very very controlling about what he did okay in life he's mommy knows best yes basically she also was a lecturer who gave presentations on a range of topics including religion homemaking and child rearing Mm. in regards to child rearing Hope apparently had some pretty wild ideas, which after we hear a little about Carlisle's childhood will kind of make more sense. You got to jerk off your son at least <laughs> once a week. Make sure to touch the tip of his penis <laughs> <laughs> every Sunday. It's the most sensitive area. Dude, I don't. I. This is the part where I tell him, he's like, oh, I forgot something because I wanted to look up to see if I could find something about her. But it's so old, you probably can't mm. find shit. I'm sure she wasn't that popular. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm hmm. Now, because Hope believed that Carlisle was an overly sensitive young man, she would not allow him to hang out with the other boys around his age, instead insisting that he hang out with only female playmates. So she didn't, okay, she didn't want him to become Mm. unsensitive. No, no, he was sensitive, so she's like, the boys are too mean to you. So yeah. You got to hang out with the girls. Yeah, she didn't want him to become mm.
1: unsensitized because that's mm. how you do it: is you
0: hang out with Control other them. boys, okay. and
1: that's how you get unsensitized, or or else you get bullied, and then you know horrible things happen.
0: <laughs> boys are kind of dicks to each other, of course. But, but you kind of got to go through it, right? If you're a boy, you kind of got to just get in there, and it's the worst thing to
1: say, but uh, it's like that's just what happens.
0: Yeah, I hate it. Boys yeah. will be boys. Yeah. Not well, okay. You don't have to. Not, not in a, a rape way. way, yeah. But like you, you can expect your your kids are probably gonna, boys are probably gonna beat each other up. There's some kind of, of I is. mean, there's hierarchy. Like you got to see who's king of the hill. You know, <laughs> even at five years old. I know it. <laughs> As we have heard many times before on this show, having an overly domineering mother can sometimes lead to the individual hating women and treating them poorly because deep down. They actually hate their mother, which when we hear about Carlisle's choices later in life, you can pretty safely assume that the stories about Hope probably have at least a nugget of truth behind them. Certainly, Carlisle, at the age of 13, decided to drop out of school and then decided to jump into the workforce in which he would work a numerous amount of odd jobs. These first wave of jobs... I'm not sure what they are. The second wave, we kind of know. Pushing a wheelbarrow at a construction site or something. What do you do at 13? That's what you do, probably. (laughs) Cabin boy, obviously, right? (laughs) Bring
1: nails to the roofers, Mm. that kind of stuff.
0: It's weird. His mother seems so bossy, but she let him drop out of school? No kidding. Like, maybe she Well,
1: I mean, she was raising him on her own. Right. She probably probably needed help with the rent.
0: Right. Hey, but good point. He did this for a few years until he deci- he discovered something that piqued his interest. He wanted to become an actor. Wow. <laughs> According to legend, after Carlisle's first acting role in which he played a character in the historical melodru- melodrama about the French Revolution called Paul... <laughs> what do you think his last name is? Cova. There you go. He nailed it. Which was being performed at the Standard Theater in Manhattan. Carlisle's show, he might just have what it takes to become a successful actor. Wow, so he got bit by the bug, man. Mm, This is, I mean, he should have followed this path, but sadly, his acting career was not to last because after his very first performance, his mother found she was very much adverse to the theatrical profession. You want me to be
1: sensitive, (laughs) Mom, but you're fucking pulling me out of the most sensitive thing I can do. (laughs)
0: We actually forced him to quit and had to bury down deep his dreams of becoming an actor. He was yeah. not allowed to do it. What a bitch! <laughs> I'm very much adverse. Can you imagine? Like you're doing something as a young man, and your mom just comes over, is like, "You know what, Adam? I'm very much adverse to what you're doing right oh, yeah, now." I'm very much averse to you being in the uh, marching band <laughs> and learning uh, how to read and stuff. Oh, uh, god. Like so many of us searching for our true calling in life, Carlisle continued to work a wide variety of jobs, which included an assistant purser at a steamship company, a clerk for a sugar importer, and a book salesman. Now, okay, let's say- Those sound like some turn-of-the-century-ass mm. jobs right there. I want to work for a steamship company. Let's go. I well, want it. Let's go to the Great Lakes. Let's go up to Duluth. We'll, uh, we'll hook up on a barge and we'll fucking- If they had one named Dread- like last week, I would join yeah. that shit in a second. Yeah, that's so cool. God, yeah. that's a. Or Robocop. But, but that when... would be awesome. <laughs> Get on my, my schooner called Robocop. Get on Robocop. <laughs> what if it was all like silver too, like that? That'd Perfect. Be, and like the, the thing was, uh, Red Foreman, like the little oh. naked mermaid sticking the, out the, the front. The masthead. Yeah. It was just Red Foreman. That'd be sick. It wasn't until Carlisle received some advice from his maternal grandfather that he found something else that piqued his interest greatly. Now, his grandfather was named Dr. Benjamin W. McCready. Fucking Irish. Who, while he was still practicing, was one of the leading physicians in the country and was also a retired professor who worked at Bellevue Medical Hospital College. I've heard of that for some reason. Ah. Uh, I feel like Bellevue, it is definitely a college I looked up, still exists, but I think Bellevue's also a mental asylum. That may be why I've heard of it. Yeah. It's on a lot of ghost shows, I feel like. That's, uh, yeah.
1: I probably saw those two, the, do you remember the ghost hunters? What were they called? Those ghost hunters. Yeah, but it's not them. Ghost Lab. Those guys are great. Yeah. I think they might've gone to Bellevue.
0: Uh, I wish I knew. it. I'm sure it's in like either Kentucky or Tennessee. All those like places seem to be there. Sure, the haunted asylum, thirty seventh parallel or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. This is just me, or does that name for that college seem like a mouthful? Bellevue but, Medical Hospital College. Yeah, yeah, it's too seems many. Like a bit medical much. hospital college. Yeah, that's too much. It's too many syllables. Can you imagine like? You have a football player and they have that, uh, is it Monday night or Sunday night where they do where they're from? I'm from Uh the Bellevue Medical Hospital College (laughs) representing. B-H-M-N-S-U-C represent. We're the the Bellevue Medical Hospital College hemorrhoids. (laughs) Uh, Sponsored by Preparation H. (laughs) It was Dr. McCready who suggested that Carlisle dive headfirst into the medical field because Carlisle agreed to this, his grandfather would pay all his expenses and help him get enrolled at one of New York's finest schools, the College of Physicians and Surgeons, in 1888. Fantastic! What a interesting. I mean, I guess it's right to the point. The College of Physicians and Surgeons.
1: Yeah, it's like uh, it's like the the College of Mages or whatever. You know, <laughs> it gets right after it. What would their mascot be? Oh man. I c I don't even know, but it was in Skyrim. That's mm. you, you go to the College of Mages or whatever. <gasps> the it's a re- there's
0: always a fucking dragon when you fast travel in there. <laughs> well they want the magic. It's so annoying. Well the I remember the College of Mages is all full of dicks. Yeah. Like you'd think the Dark Brotherhood would be dicks, but no, it's the mages. Yeah, are they just want to chill the Dark right? Brotherhood. The mages are like, I'm so pretentious and yeah. smart. Yikes. This was actually a great thing for Carlisle as he found himself really excelling at this college. He began training with a well-respected surgeon by the name of Dr. Robert Abe, who found that Carlisle was a very bright and conscientious student. By the end of this, his second year at school, Carlyle was even assisting in the operating room. Gross. The two fields that he found himself most interested in were, were obstetrics which is the field of childbirth and care of women giving birth and gynecology, mm. which I believe now is just called OBGYN. Mm. So, um, yeah, we're gonna, it's going to make sense why he likes these two fields. Um, he
1: likes the pussy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he loves the pussy. He
1: likes the pussy.
0: <laughs> what if you're... Gynecology instructor is literally an Italian <laughs> man. You see under pussy here, <laughs> disinfected a pussy. <laughs> you stick a defi forceps inside a the pussy, <laughs> and you you open it up and look inside the pussy.
1: Gross! I hate you, Carl. Only wa- and your Italian teacher. I hate both of you.
0: I only want Mario and Luigi. <laughs> they need a, Nintendo needs to make Mario and Luigi's gynecology adventures. we fixing <laughs> a plumbing. <laughs> like they just dive in and he squirrels down. <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 do and they go inside and teach you all about it. Little goombas running around everywhere. <laughs> Look, Nintendo! If you ever make this game, I you owe us money. I'm yeah. just saying. Uh, it's on record. It's on record. We <laughs> this is all our IP. <laughs> now, while Carla was spending most of his time attending school during the summertime. When they didn't have school to attend, he would spend the summer hanging out in the little seaside town of Ocean Grove in New Jersey. Mm. A quaint little town filled to the brim and presumably controlled by members of the Methodist congregation. His mother Hope also spent her summers here. She would spend her time giving lectures about the evils of alcohol, mm. but with prohibition on the horizon, that's kind of to be expected. Hey, we are going to Boardwalk Empire times. <laughs> you know what I was thinking after reading this? I'm like, maybe that's why she divorced. Maybe her husband was a fucking drunk, right? They all were. Right. So, Dude, on Boardwalk Empire, that's so funny
1: that we were talking about that last week too, and like the performer, the little singer-performer guy, the vaudeville that's in all whiteface, and he, mm. he he's like, sings a song about, I discovered how wonderful my wife is when the
0: town went dry. Like <laughs> It's like, he's just beating her and treating her like shit Jesus. before him. I The part, I always remember Board Rock Empire's, like, Nookie's girlfriend, it, they're, like, talking, like, the presidential candidates or whatever, and he just, like, pats on and he's like... <laughs> You know, women can't vote reasonably. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. God, that was a... God, That's a wild time. Thank oh. God everybody can just vote now because that's fucked up. Welcome. Welcome to the voting party. <laughs> now, unbeknownst to Hope, at the time, her beloved son Carlisle was actually operating a rum and poker joint that was aptly called the Neptune Club in awesome. nearby Ash- Ashbury Park, a place where one newspaper describes it as... Where men and women of questionable character congregated and orgies were a
1: nightly occurrence.
0: <laughs> Why is that always, they always, these places are always like, oh, there's just fucking orgies going on constantly. Yeah. Like, it, it, and I'm sure it was not. I mean, I'm sure there was drunk people kissing me, yeah. but and playing, losing all their money.
1: I don't know if we had some cock out orgies <laughs> going <laughs>
0: Eventually, Carlyle would be arrested for keeping a, quote, disorderly house. I don't know what the <laughs> hell that means at all. A house of ill repute. <laughs> it was like a, a gambling den. I I wonder if you can get arrested for this still. Like a disorderly, oh, yeah. so- Dude, disorderly house? Dude, people's
1: aunts get fucking arrested for uh, selling spreads or taking
0: spreads on football games, really? you know what I mean? Is the charge called disorderly house? That I don't know. It could be like illegal <laughs> gambling, but... Either way, he was forced to spend the night in jail, at least until his mommy could bail him out. After his arrest, like a classic sociopath may do, he insisted that he was just an innocent bystander in the whole incident. According to Carlisle, it was just a simple mix-em-up. You see, he was actually just so eager to pay for his own way through college that he initially had simply asked for a request of a small loan of six hundred dollars from his grandfather to set up a cafe in Ashbury Park, which would basically funnel loads of cash in because he would be catering to the summer tourists. Mm. Problems arose when the mysterious owners of this Neptune Club had asked if he if they could lease the second floor of the building, promising to pay him good money, rent, and guarantee him a hundred dollars. Worth of customers to his cafe with an offer like that? How the hell can you say no?
1: So he he was saying it was gangsters that set mm-hmm. up on the second floor of his mm-hmm. cafe.
0: He was just he just running the cafe, dude, he, yeah. and collecting easy money. He didn't yeah. know what was going on. Hundred bucks. That's a I mean that's, <laughs> that's a, a, a good lot. Deal. Although I, to be honest, it seems like his family is like loaded as shit. Mm. But uh, and he's just a fuck up that gets <laughs> to do whatever he wants, basically. <laughs> basically. Now, obviously, like we said, this story is complete bullshit, just a way for him to remove himself from any sort of blame, but more than likely because of his mother's reputation in the community and the fact that uh, he seemed to possess that uncanny ability to persuade people into believing him. The citizens of Ocean Grove simply look the other way and continue to trust him like they did prior to finding out about the Neptune Club. It was after the shutdown of the Neptune Club and life returned to normal that Carlisle is about to meet someone who would change his life forever. Oh, young love, my friend. Mm -hmm. We got young love coming up. (laughs) The story goes that it was a summer evening and Carlisle was attending a dance being hosted at the Coleman House. Oh, they invented lanterns. (laughs) It's just coolers everywhere. <laughs> the whole cooler. You just go into a cooler. <laughs> and uh hatchets. They make <laughs> little hatchets. Too. Oh yeah, those are good. They're pretty good. Oh propane tanks too, do, oh, don't they? Oh yeah. The God mini ones it. are really great. Yeah. Okay. CO two tanks, they do it all. Hell yeah. But the Real Coleman also is just a beautiful beachfront hotel in Ashbury Park. Okay. It was at the dance that Carlisle first laid his eyes upon eighteen year old Helen Nielsen Potts. Mm. Carlisle said this about her.
1: She, she was the most beautiful girl I ever saw. She was tall, with remarkably large dark eyes, and olive complexion, and possessed that crowning glory of all, a mass of chestnut hair.
0: <laughs> Is there anything sexier than a mass of chestnut hair? I just love when it's a mass. <laughs> When, like, it looks like a planet could orbit it. Dude, this guy would be in his pants if he saw, like, the Karen beehive haircut. Oh, my God. You can't get a more bigger mass than that bad boy.
1: One of the nurses at the uh, vaccination station had one of those, and I was, I was almost laughing.
0: <laughs> oh, God. Now, Helen's father was named George Potts, a well-to-do gentleman who had gotten rich in the railroad construction business. And he's not the doctor? He is not the doctor. Holy shit. So he's got two wealthy grandpaps. No, 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 I'm sorry. This is the girl's father. Ah, right. Helen's right, right. father. Helen Potts. Helen mm. Potts'
1: father, got gotcha, <laughs> Right, gotcha, right.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. And Helen's mother was Cynthia Potts, who spent most of her time making sure to keep Helen on the right path. A bit of a overprotective mother in her own sense. Naturally, Carlyle was able to use his charm to garner the attention of he- uh, Helen Potts at the dance, and within just a few weeks, the Potts family discovered that Helen had a new friend who was spending most of his time at their Ocean Grove home. After a few weeks, they figured that out, huh? Who's uh, <laughs> I mean, this guy? That's well, <laughs> You're going to see, They he spends a lot of time at their house. Okay. Carlisle and Helen spent much of their time together that summer, enjoying a plethora of activities such as boating excursions, tennis parties, or simply having a picnic at the beach. That sounds great. (laughs) You want a tennis party? Yeah. What the hell do you do at a tennis party? Well, I've played a lot of Mario
1: Tennis on Mm. Game Boy Color, Mm -hmm. and that's like an RPG, so if it's anything like that, that'd be fun. Mario Tennis is like an RPG, huh? Yeah, it's made by this uh, developer called
0: Camelot, and Mm. they make like the best Mario the, RPGs. I played that Mario and Luigi RPGs. Ah, Mario Luigi's. Uh, there's like inside Bowser's pussy. There's yeah. Like <laughs> XX. Yeah. I mean oh, the, you played those on Newgrounds. Yeah. yeah. See, they got so close to that idea. They went in. You know Bowser's vulva, but um, it, it's a little different for whatever he is—a dragon, dinosaur thingy. What He's a hell? Koopa. He's a Koopa. He's okay. King Koopa. <laughs> Now, even though Helen was falling head over heels for Carlisle, she would constantly have to rebuff his sexual advances, pre- presumably demanding to wait until marriage before she would fulfill his illicit passions. I had to throw that in there. For <laughs> I like When it was time for Carlisle to return to college that fall, he would leave Ocean Grove and head back to New York. Well, Helen's parents would rent an apartment for her and her mother on West 63rd Street in Manhattan. Whoa. Now, this was not so she could spend more time with Carlisle because Helen's mother still was under the assumption that they were just friends. Mm. This was because Helen was a skilled pianist who was going to be attending the New York College of Music. Ah. What does this remind you of? The New York College of Music. Ah, I don't know. That little guy from the cringe video. Oh, you're a nothing, you're a no talent. (laughs) Oh, God, what if he was her instructor?
1: Oh, my God. Uh, See, I thought Helen set this whole college music thing up just Mm -hmm. to get close to Carlisle, Uh, but apparently she's an accomplished pianist.
0: Her her mother, like, really, and I'm assuming her father, really want her to just do the right thing, (laughs) but Carlisle is kind of like, a
1: sociopath.
0: Yeah, and he's swooning her and she's losing her way and, you know, that old, uh, that old bit there. Because Carlyle was attending school j- within just a few blocks of the Potts apartment, he was constantly there. Mrs. Potts said,
1: We were always pleased to see
0: him. <laughs> we were homesick and it seemed like seeing someone from home. But Mrs. Potts found herself becoming annoyed by how often Carlisle was either calling their house or how often he was simply at their house. <laughs> so because of this, Miss Potts felt it was necessary to pull him aside and tell Carlisle that she did not approve of him being around her daughter so much. Well, that's, uh, you know, that's better than letting it fester. Right. I mean, you, she's taking direct action here. It, it might have an adverse
1: effect, though. Uh, with a sociopath, yeah.
0: Well, with the daughter, too. Oh, saying, what are you, you why are you aw- trying to run off my boyfriend? Mm-hmm. She said, although I regard you as a very pleasant friend to my daughter, something might grow out of your and Helen's friendship that might be a disadvantage to my susceptible daughter. Like a kid. <laughs> Clearly, Miss Potts seemed to be a bit clueless as to why Carlisle and Helen were spending so much time together, but Carlisle plainly explained to Mrs. Potts that nothing could be further from his thoughts, and honestly, Mrs. Potts should be ashamed of having even spoken it. Hell yeah. Turn that shit around. <laughs> Flip um, those tables. I love the like old-timey, like, I don't know what you call that, you should be ashamed you had even yeah. spoken those words. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to start using that on people. Do it. It's great. It's <laughs> Unless they call bullshit. Then, it, uh-huh. then they win. But
1: <laughs> otherwise, you get moral superiority.
0: Uh, as to be expected, while he might have slowed down at first, Carlisle didn't really stop calling or coming over to their house. So by January 1890, Mrs. Potts figured she better have another chat with that little rascal Carlisle. <laughs> This time after Miss Potts came to bring up the subject again, Carlisle this time informed her that he actually intended to marry Helen. Well,
1: that's a fucking flip, skip it, and reverse
0: it, isn't it? Let me stop you right there. I'm going to marry your daughter. Yeah. You should be ashamed. <laughs> I'm going to marry her. <laughs> She was a little taken back, so Miss Potts told Carlisle, You
1: cannot be engaged to my daughter. She is fond of you, but you are still a medical student, and Helen is much too young to think of such a thing. I am glad that
0: the two of you are friends, but you (laughs) must not call on her with any (laughs) such ideas. I love how, like, proper she is. I'm glad you guys are friends, but you must not do this, young man. You're a medical student. (laughs) After this, Carlisle told Miss Potts that he would adhere to her wishes and not attempt to marry Helen, but as you can probably guess, that was simply a lie. Yeah,
1: that was just a shutter right. up. Yeah.
0: Right, exactly. He does a lot of that. Yeah. Now, on Tell the... them what they want to hear, and they'll leave you the fuck alone. <laughs> now, on the morning of February 8th, 1890, Carlisle would call the Potts home and ask permission to take Helen out and visit some of the locales in downtown Manhattan, Weirdly, Mrs. Pott didn't have any objections to this. So Helen and Carla would go out and visit the New York Stocks Exchange, Richard Morris Hunt's Tribute Building, and even had lunch at an elegant restaurant. Mm. When Helen returned home with Carlisle at around 3 p.m., she was elated and immediately had to tell her mother about all the fun she had had visiting downtown Manhattan. Big mistake. (laughs) Keep Mama Potts out of it. Mm. Now, while Carlisle, Helen, and Mrs. Potts were all standing in their entryway of their apartment, Carlisle plainly asked if he could continue to hang out for the rest of the afternoon with Helen at their home.
1: You want to play a little Super (laughs) Nintendo in her room with the door closed?
0: (laughs) I am certain Mrs. Potts probably didn't want him there, but also being that she was in a weird predicament, having him ask right in front of Helen, she would allow them to do it. So throughout the afternoon, Helen and Carlyle would sit on the sofa giggling and whispering to each other, almost as if they were hiding a little secret from Mrs. Potts. While well, everything seemed like these two were the bestest of friends, this was the last time Mrs. Potts ever sees Helen and Carlisle happy together. Oh. This is where we start to get a little dark here, boys. He starts to slip a little? Now, just a little bit. Over the next few weeks, Carlisle's demeanor was very different, and he seemed very disinterested in Helen, which was the polar opposite of what had been going on for close to a, a year at this point. Mrs. Potts later said,
1: I noticed the difference in Carl's manner towards my daughter.
0: He did not call as frequently as he used to, nor was he as pleasant as he had been. <laughs> now, while on the surface, Mrs. Potts was actually pretty happy that Rascal Carlyle wasn't around nearly as much, she wasn't happy that her daughter, Helen, seemed so distraught about Carlyle not paying any mind to her any longer. Mrs. Potts reassured Helen it was probably nothing more than he was simply preoccupied with his medical studies. Mm. Now, while this could be a completely plausible reason for him distancing himself, when summer came and Carlyle and the Potts family were back in Ocean Grove, Carlisle's behavior didn't wane, wane from how he had been acting. Even when he would call the house or maybe visit, it just wasn't the same, Mrs. Potts said. He did not make himself
1: nearly as courteous and agreeable as he had been. When there were musicals or concerts or anything of the kind, he did not care to go. He made appointments with my daughter to take her out to church twice and did not keep those appointments. His manner was as if he was bored and
0: tired of their friendship. Ooh, you cannot cancel church appointments. Come on, Golly. what What a sick son of a bitch. You know, I'm wondering, she definitely didn't, like, give it up, right? Uh, you're going to find out a little
1: secrets that have been going on here, Adam. Hachi machi. The, the fucking son of a bitch
0: got, got mm. the target he was after they, and now he's ice. Okay, it. don't spoil it. Put your head in a fuckboy's head. Yeah. And you yep. will see the series play out here. Now it makes sense. Now yep. it all makes sense, Cody. Yep. He's the uh, Victorian fuckboy here. What a nightmare. <laughs> One afternoon in June of 1890, Carlisle would arrive at the Potts home and request that Helen go on a little walk with him. Mrs. Potts would agree to this. She was under the assumption that her daughter wouldn't be gone for too long, but the two of them wouldn't return until late in the afternoon. And to make matters more concerning, the second Helen walked through the door, her appearance was very pale and looked very ill. Now, Helen suffered from constant sick headaches or migraines as we call them now. Ugh. I kind of like I mean they s- are sick fucking headaches. I kind of like sick headaches. Kind of like this. It's got nice ring to it. I wonder if it's cuz they made you get sick, throw up. Maybe. I I'm, I'm sure they didn't, you know, fully understand the difference between a headache and a migraine, you know. I was asking Saya about
1: migraines and mm. she said that if you start to feel one, you have to take the pills right away because yeah. your intestines basically go in go on strike. They don't process the medicine during a migraine. That's shit. Which is why it takes like four hours for ibuprofen to work
0: once you already got it. (sighs) That sucks. That really sucks. So Mrs. Potts wasn't overly concerned and assumed this was just something that normally plagues her daughter. When she asked Helen why the walk had taken so long, Helen plainly ignored her and headed upstairs to her room and did not emerge till the following morning. Because Helen remained sick all throughout the following week... They decided to take her to visit her uncle, Dr. Charles Treverton, in Scranton, Pennsylvania.
1: Hey, old I've been Biden. to Scranton.
0: It's old Biden's hometown. Wow. What and also you think of Dunder Mifflin's hometown. What
1: did you think of Scranton? Uh, it was uh, like a suburb. Okay. Yeah. It's a I place? was there for a <laughs> drum corps show. Oh, really? Yeah. Is it nice? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I saw parking lots and the field we played. Okay. That's about it. Yeah. All
0: right. Interesting. When Helen was visiting with her uncle, she was very reluctant to allow him to examine her. Although, because she looked pale, weak, had no appetite, and was battling bouts of nausea in the morning, he was pretty certain he knew what was wrong. He informed Mrs. Pot, her daughter. Well, she's in the family way. (laughs) That means pregnant. (laughs) I I love how they put that. Do you know what the Irish call it? What's that? Up the duff. Ooh. She's up the duff. Uh, What if they're, like, pregnancy tests? (laughs) In the mod it literally just is a line or up the duff? (laughs) Up the duff. (laughs) Under the duff. You gotta see if you're up the duff or under the duff. It's somewhere in there. You can't just be duff. You're up up or under the duff. You're either up or under that son of a bitch. (laughs) Ah, interesting. Because of this revelation, Helen finally broke down and told the truth about, about what had happened Helen went on to tell her mother that the day that she and Carlisle were supposed to be visiting all the areas in the downtown Manhattan area, they had actually headed to City Hall and gotten secretly married, which is why they were giggling like school children on the couch all day. Additionally, that June, she uh, had informed Carlisle that she was pregnant, yeah. and Carlisle demanded that she get an abortion. Oh, and because he was a burgeoning medical student. Who else would be more skilled to perform the abortion other than Carlisle Harris? He loves OBGYN, <laughs> obviously something went awry during the abortion. <sighs> what an asshole! Okay, is that not fuckboy behavior? Yeah, that is one hundred percent fuckboy God. behavior. When you go into pussy medicine and then start giving out abortions, that's no good. You can't do that, man. You gotta have. You can't do that. Especially when he's not even out of college yet. What the fuck? Well, something went wrong, so I'm assuming yeah. this is not good. You got to remember, she's sick right now, so we got an abortion, so we're about to find out what happened. Oh, boy. After hearing the newly discovered information, Dr. Charles Trevitton sent, sent a message summoning Carlisle to come to Scranton immediately. When Carlisle arrived by train a few days later, he was confronted by the family, demanding to know what he had done. But Carlisle, being the narcissist he was, didn't see anything wrong with him having performed an abortion on Helen. In fact, he informed Helen's uncle that he had performed the exact same procedure on at least five other girlfriends previously, all of which had recovered quite nicely. Thank you, Dr. Trevorton. And that's not true, right? Or is no, it? I'm pretty sure that is true. <laughs> so he's gotten five girls pregnant and performed five abortions on them. Oh. What a nightmare of a man. Carlisle was shocked when he heard that Helen wasn't doing well. Though after he thought back to it, there was a great deal of hemorrhaging at the <laughs> time of the operation. But he believed he had m- removed anything that could be considered worrisome. Sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> Interestingly.
1: As a medical student, he he deems what's
0: worrisome and what's not worrisome. Fucking psychopath. <laughs> Here let's make it worse for you Adam. Interestingly, like Carlisle had actually brought some of his medical equipment with him on the trip to Scranton, Bro. believing he was uh, he was going to be the one to actually perform a follow-up procedure on Helen uh, Potts.
1: Scrape everything that's not that yeah, he didn't he, get the first time around. He's
0: like, "Move over doctors, I'm yeah. here to save the day. I'm uh, I'm
1: Neil Patrick Harris." <laughs> what was his name? Um, Doogie Howser. Hauser. Uh Barney
0: Oh, Barney. <laughs> no, it's Barney from uh, uh How I Met Your Mother. Oh, Doogie Hauser, no. okay. I thought you were making fun of the ladies, man from How I Met Your Mother. Nope. Can you imagine Barney just giving like backroom abortions on that show? That was
1: kind of his character, wasn't it? I he mean, was a bit
0: of a sleazy. Yeah, he was a douche. I mean that was, yeah, was his character. He's a fuckboy. Yeah. Now, in pure disgust, Dr. Trevanton promptly informed Carlisle he would not be doing any more operations on his nurse. <laughs> Because Dr. Treventon is actually like a legit fucking graduated doctor. Mm-hmm. So he's like, you dipshit, you're not doing this. Now, the following tidbit of information will come from a gentleman by the name of Charles Oliver, who Carlisle had somehow come came to meet while in Scranton and asked him to give him a tour of the city while he was there. I don't mm. know how they met, <laughs> but anyway... So Carlisle and Charles would tour around Scranton visiting the illustrious coal mines and steel mills. That's what they're known for, yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine that's like awesome to go look look at all them black long boys over there? Pens- Hell yeah. <laughs> Pennsylvania steel, baby. <laughs> During their time together, Carlisle started bragging to Charles about all his sexual exploits with a great number of women. He would go on to inform Charles.
1: That it was very easy matter to administer a strong drink of intoxicating liquor with a glass of ginger ale. When it had its effect, he had no trouble in getting his desire with the woman. Oh, that was not the that's guy. That's such a fuck That was Charles, but that's fine. Yeah. Just no, pretend no, no. I had a different yeah, voice. Right,
0: right. Yeah. It's Carlisle saying it. You know, God, what a fucking asshole. But Carlyle also told Charles this plan didn't always work and twice now he had to trick them into marriage to get what he wanted. One of the brides was Helen and one was only known as a undisclosed woman, <laughs> both of which he ended up performing abortions on. Although Fuck. after his first marriage to the undisclosed woman and subsequent abortion, she never talked to him again. What it boils down to is after Carlisle had gotten what he wanted from the girls, he completely lost interest, which is exactly the scenario that played out with Helen. Fuck boy. Married him, had sex with her, he's done with her. So, yeah. Fuck boy. He's 100% a fuck boy. Now, keep in mind, none of the members of the Potts family would learn about his debaucherous acts until much, much later. Mm. But back with Helen. Her condition continued to worsen while under the care of her uncle. So Dr. Trevington, along with Dr. D.B. Hand, would mix a concoction of drugs that her uncle would use to induce labor in Helen Potts. Two days later, a decayed fetus roughly about four to five months old would emerge from Helen. They would go on to determine that the fetus had been dead at least a few weeks. Additionally, they found it had a cutting wound in its head. God damn it that's so i'm guessing that's how he uh did his abortion i don't really know what you just the like hell? slice it up well he he just like ruptured the head yeah and left it in there um well, fucked up. well how does what does he
1: think happens the body <laughs> just
0: reabsorbs it i i don't know Isn't i it really starting don't to get know bones
1: and stuff at
0: that time oh, i don't know it's disgusting <sighs> After having successfully removed the dead fetus from Helen, she would remain at her uncle's house recovering for the rest of the summer. Now, what was Carlisle up to after being forced to leave Scranton and his new wife had almost died? Yeah. Well, news had gotten around that Carlisle was enjoying the company of 20-year-old Queenie Drew, yeah. who had traveled with him to Canudigua, New York, where the two of them were staying at the nicest hotel in town. After Mrs. Potts had learned the truth about the secret marriage and botched abortion, she believed that it was going to bring just too much shame on their family's name. Boo. So she refused to inform her husband of what had happened to his daughter instead insisting that she could fix the entire problem on her own and try to make sure that Carlisle will do the right thing. Why
1: would you want him around?
0: or in, Like, what is the right thing, according to her? We're about to find out here, Adam. <sighs> Mrs. Potts would be able to convince Carlisle to meet her for lunch sometime in October of 1890 and give him a chance to explain himself to her. Keep Now, keep in mind... This entire time, after having left Scranton, he hadn't even attempted to contact Helen at all. Yeah, why would he? After chatting a little bit, Carlyle would eventually leave Miss Potts dumbfounded after he told her this.
1: I did it that way for this reason. I thought we might someday get tired of each other, and if we were married under false names, we could just drop the matter and no one would be the wiser.
0: Mrs. Potts replied, With my
1: daughter? You were going to drop the matter once you got bored with her. I call that legalized prostitution. I insist that you be made a legitimate marriage under your right names. That's stupid. (laughs) She doesn't
0: want to bring shame on the family. Oh, I hate shame. (laughs) Fucking just Mrs. Potts, you're a piece of shit. (laughs) Well, this is the Victorian era where everyone's got to be prim and proper huh. and all that horse shit. I like the real Mrs. Potts that had a son named Chip <laughs> and they lived in the Beast's castle. <laughs> After this, Carlisle assured Mrs. Potts that oh, he God. was going to do the right thing and marry Helen under the correct name. Thanks, Carlisle. But he was going to need a little time because... He was just starting the new semester at college and definitely was going to need the time to focus on his studies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Carl Carlisle would continue to push off the marriage all the way until January 1891. Eventually, Mrs. Potts got sick of his bullshit and now thoroughly annoyed wrote him this. Now listen to what I say.
1: The 8th of February will be the anniversary of your secret marriage. I set that day as
0: the day on which you shall go to a minister of the gospel and be married in a Christian manner. Oh, God. Now you see why she wants to fix it? Got to get right with God, dude? Ah. Carlisle would simply reply with this. All your wishes will be complied with. (sighs) What an ass. The same afternoon that Mrs. Potts received the return message from him, Carlisle showed up at a pharma- pharmacy in Manhattan and wrote himself a prescription for six capsules, each containing four and a half grams of Q9 and one sixth a grain of morphine. Now, Q9, uh, do you know what this is? I assume it's like strychnine. Uh, no. No? Nope. I had, you know how long it took me to find what the fuck this was because it's illegal now in uh. the US? Um, so my understanding is it was being used to cure malaria and would uh, it was a snake oil for fixing leg cramps at night. Oh, it's a huge fake. Uh-huh. So they it was big during the Civil War. They used to give it to soldiers for fever reduction and all that. So, and I think it helped you sleep, but anyway, the morphine's kind of the main point yeah, there. Yeah, I I think that's probably what is doing the heavy lifting. <laughs> yeah. At that time, he was claiming that he had purchased this prescription so Helen who was suffering from sick headaches, would have a little help alleviating her symptoms. Sure. So he gave her four of the capsules and told her to take one each night before bed. That same week, Carlisle decided to head out of town for the week on a little vacation. He would board a steamer and head to Old Point Comfort Resort on Virginia's Chesapeake Bay to enjoy a little getaway. Wonderful. On January 31st, 1891, Mrs. Potts and her daughter Helen decided to go out on a little shopping expedition to to Macy's, presumably, for their upcoming marriage. A, uh, oh no, it's not a Minnesota company, never mind. No, it's New York, right? Yep, definitely. I don't know what 1891 Macy's looked like, but I, I'm guessing it's a little different now. I was thinking of our old governor. <laughs> um, uh, what was his
1: last name? Dayton. Dayton. He Dayton's department store did he
0: was he involved in that oh yeah the, his family yeah okay for sure. he wasn't with the daytona no nope. nope. It had nothing to do with daytona florida <laughs> now after the two of them returned to the school that helen was attending at the time helen would show her mother the pills that carlisle had given her she had taken three of them so far but claimed they were making her feel really sick helen didn't think she should continue to take them but mrs potts felt differently Mrs. Potts said this later. I told her that quinine was
1: apt to make one feel wretched, but I thought it would do her good, so I advised her to take it.
0: I left her at around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, Helen's roommates had returned home from a symphony and found that Helen was asleep. After they lit the lanterns, Helen would groggily muster out these words Girls, girls,
1: I have had such beautiful dreams. I wish they could go on forever. <laughs> Who
0: says that? Someone that's having like a morphine overdose, probably. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) They're so beautiful. Dude, this is really morbid, but when my grandma, they thought they might have to put her on hospice care. Uh They had her so doped up Uh and like sitting there watching her. I don't know if she's having like nightmares or dreams, but just like talking in her sleep and like yelling in her sleep
1: is really scary. That's the exact same thing that happened with my grandma. Yeah. But I've heard from you know, this might be woo-woo uh spiritual stuff or whatever, right? But I've heard that you basically relive your entire life and the patterns that your life's gone through while
0: you're all fucked up on that stuff about to die. That could be. I mean my grandma didn't die at that point. Oh. So I but she didn't mention that. She it was funny when she finally woke up she just like acting like nothing's going on. <laughs> What's going on, guys? How's it going? How's it hanging? <laughs> It was just really weird because she's like, ah, ah, like oh, doing that shit, and it's terrible. It sounds horrible. Now, now, not suspecting anything was wrong, the girls simply just continued to get ready for bed. But soon they heard Helen groaning quite a bit more than one would expect. Coming to her aid, Helen then told them, "I feel so queer, girls. I can't feel your hand at all. I believe I'm dying." <laughs> Upon a closer look at Helen, it was very clear something was just not right. One of her roommates by the name of Rachel said this about Helen's appearance. She looked like death. She was very pale, and the veins all stuck out on her forehead and were blue. This doesn't sound good. Nope. I mean, only Goku can do that and not die. Yeah. Really. Otherwise, you're aneurysm at least, you know, if you're pushing that hard on the toilet. So the girls would run and call for the headmistress, who then retrieved the school's physician, Dr. Edward Fowler. Now, after examining Helen a bit closer, he could pretty quickly tell that she was showing all the signs of excessive opioid opium poisoning. Sure. Dr. Fowler, along with two colleagues... Would work all through the night trying to help Helen, performing everything they knew, which included applying artificial respiration, administering black coffee enemas. Could try and wake (laughs) her up. I couldn't get over that. I'm like, come on. if you're dying, are they really shooting coffee up your ass? Put a tube in your butt. Let's grab coffee. Let's get a pot going. (laughs) Injecting atropine, which is for a low heart rate, whiskey. And Digitalis, which is uh, to treat congenitive heart failure and heart rhythm problems. They then would administer a series of electric shocks, but nothing seemed to be working Uh, against the shock. I mean,
1: that morphine, when you have too much opium, it just shuts down your lungs and your diaphragm so you can't pull in any air.
0: It definitely slows your heart too, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I don't know what the whiskey, (laughs) like maybe shoot her up with a little
0: cocaine. I don't know. I'm just like, well, I don't know if the coffee enemas were helping. God. Like, did they think she had, maybe they thought she had a ball obstruction. I don't know what the <sighs> hell is going on. Holy <laughs> fuck. <laughs> That's a terrible truth. Don't go to coffee enema first.
1: Doctors, don't go to coffee enema coffee first. Coffee enema,
0: electric shocks. We're going to save your
1: ass, dude. <sighs> the, the breathing thing, that was nice. The yeah. digitalis, good job. Mm-hmm. But let's, let's keep the whiskey, the coffee, let's keep all that out of here.
0: Let's be thankful, Hart. Let's be thankful that, you know, medications uh, evolved a little bit. No shit. This is literally what, what is practicing <laughs> medicine. That's why they call it that. Eventually, Dr. Fowler would discover the empty box of pills prescribed by Carlisle Harris. So he would call upon him to return immediately. When Carlisle finally arrived and learned of Helen's current condition, literally the very first thing he said was, do you think I will be held responsible oh, for my, this? What a fucking asshole. Dr. Fowler would simply tell him that he didn't give a damn about all that. He was trying to save the damn girl. But sadly, even though Dr. Fowler tried his damnedest, Helen Potts would eventually pass away. As no surprise, Carlisle didn't really seem to be overly bothered upon learning about her passing. The only thing he said was, My God, what will become of me? <laughs> Me, 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 me. <laughs> this is a clear psycho me, 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 Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's always focusing on himself. What a cunt. <laughs> now, interestingly, Carlisle wouldn't be arrested or be held accountable initially because they didn't really know exactly what happened to her. It wasn't until the funeral services for Helen Potts were over. Did they say if he went there? Did he go uh, to the funeral? one? they didn't talk about okay. it. I'm sure he wasn't allowed <laughs> there. Or just, like, didn't want to go.
1: I was Probably like, eh, I'm, I'm hanging out with Dixie Queen or whatever that one girl's name was. Oh, he, he,
0: she's old news. He's moved on to somebody else <laughs> now. You know he has. Yeah. That's yeah. what he does. He's already stabbed that fetus in the <laughs> forehead. They then started to speculate what exactly happened helen potts some were speculating that the pharmacist had accidentally bungled the mixtures between the q9 and morphine thus leading to an overdose others figured that because helen didn't notice any effects from the singular pill that she must have just popped all three at once thus creating an overdose Mm. eventually the yellow journalists of the time got a hold and they (laughs) existed (laughs) those tabloid motherfuckers (laughs) They got a hold of some dirt on Carlisle Harris, and after publishing a story detailing his arrest record and about his proclivity for <laughs> performing secret abo- <laughs> abortions, he was promptly kicked out of medical school. Yay. But that wasn't the most damning thing for Carlisle Harris. It was when one of the country's leading toxicologists named Professor Rudolph Withouse exhumed Helen's body and took a closer look at her remains that he discovered there was definitely some foul play because of their revelation Carlisle Harris would be arrested on murder charges I need
1: to know what he did to these pills
0: Hmm. well it's pretty pretty obvious that Carlisle did something to to the pills that led to her death but what exactly did he do well, it was actually one of his professors at the school that had incidentally given him the idea. That sounds right. You see, Dr. George Peabody was <gasps> explaining to his students how difficult it was to detect a morphine overdose when it was used in a felonious manner. Wow. During his lecture, he had passed around a bottle full of large morphine <sighs> tablets. He even insisted that the students take the pills out and examine them. <laughs> well, when the jar eventually got into the hands of Carlisle Harris, he would pocket a couple of these morphine tablets. Oh yeah, I'm just looking at this handful of pills. I'm sure they'll all end up back in the bottle. I wonder if they still do this now. Take out all these fentanyl liquid God. jars. Even smell it if you know. Take a dab of it if you need to. Kids. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Rub let's it on le- your gums a little. <laughs> see what. <laughs> let's, see learn, how it works. let's learn all about it. He then took one of the stolen morphine pills and did the old switcheroo with one of the four capsules he would eventually give to Helen. Now, he figured that the odds that she took the deadliest pill last were pretty low. And if she had taken the one containing the excessive amount of morphine and died, but the other normal capsules remained, she would die in her sleep and they would just assume she died of natural causes. They wouldn't have any reason to suspect him. And even if they did... He had the other two tablets on him to prove that they were just the normal pills that were prescribed to him. But for better or worse, Helen ended up taking the deadly pill last, and almost every aspect of his plan failed. Yeah, well, you leave it to chance, and that's going to happen. Yeah, I. the interesting thing is, like, I I don't know if—I've assumed this is the first person that he did this to, but I don't know. This just seems like—I don't want to marry her, really, so I'm just going to try to kill her. Kind of fucking wild. God damn. The trial for the murder of Helen Potts would last three weeks, and when deliberation time came, uh, it took a whopping nine minutes for the jury to find him guilty and send him to the electric chair. Oh, they had Sparky back then, huh? Oh, yeah. Nice. One newspaper said, Mrs. Ledyard uttered a piercing cry and dropped to the floor in a dead faint. (laughs) So fucking dramatic. (laughs) That's his mom, if we remember right. Oh, yeah. The date of Carlisle Harris's execution was May 8th, 1893. He continued to proclaim his innocence, even as they were tying the straps down on the electric chair. What a coward. What a fuck boy coward. <laughs> Carlisle Harris was buried in a fancy coffin and his mother had this inscription written on the coffin. Carlisle Harris murdered May 8th, 1893. Wow. She, hey she's like he's innocent man he's murdered so he wasn't buried in like the prison yard she was no. able to get the body she's got money dude they him and oh, his yeah. whole family's got money they yeah. can put him wherever he wants yeah he doesn't need to be in the prison cemetery <sighs> yeah. what a fuck boy he is a fucking
1: asshole murdered may 8th 1893 <laughs> go fuck
0: yourself Ledyard. <laughs> Mama Ledyard, you piece of junk. <laughs> if anybody finds any if anybody's attended her lectures, you let us know because I want to know what she said. Yeah. What like, was her pen name? Uh Hope Ledyard. Hope Ledyard. Yeah. I don't know what her real name was, yeah. but uh yeah. It's uh what do you think of old Carlisle Harris in the story? Fuck boy. <laughs>
1: yeah. What a fuck boy. You summed it up in the first paragraph. He's a yeah. fuck boy.
0: Yeah. It was funny because When I was going through the notes and reading it, that didn't come to my mind. Then I'm like, I typed it all up, and I was kind of revising it. I'm like, you know what? This guy is like a fucking fuckboy to the bitter end here. Like, before anybody could know what that was. (laughs) Yeah, obviously... Mrs. Potts isn't going to be like, watch out, Helen, that's a fuckboy yeah. over there. I read about him on Twitter. <laughs> he would, They didn't have fuckboy in the Bible, so it's mm. like, she ain't going to know what that is. God, that is just foolish.
1: I hate him. Yeah, he's I an hate asshole. You. I hate you, Carlisle. But if you also hate Carlisle, you can tell us about it by writing us a form submission on our website, bumblebuttpodcast.com. comes to us exactly like an email. You can say whatever you want, and there's a goddamn good chance we'll read it out. Uh, while you're on the website, also buy a t-shirt and follow us on Instagram at Bumblebutt Podcast and on Twitter at Bumblebutt Pod that would be awesome. Another thing you can do is follow us on Spotify and, Leave us a five-star or any star you like review on
0: iTunes. Hell, yeah. Should we read some of these bad boys? I think so. I have some internationals that I'm going to pull up, Ooh, too. Oh, hell, yeah. You do that. I'll read the Americans here. Go for um, it. Let's start with our uh, least uh, favorite review here. by. is <laughs> a one-star by Karen Kuroz, something like that. I love this podcast. Up until episode 12, I did not appreciate the comments made towards Mexicans. Um, I don't think we said anything that bad, but I'm sorry we offended you, Karen. Uh, maybe, you know, go a little deeper. Maybe you'll find something. I like Mexicans. The, yeah, Everybody does. We have plenty of Mexican fr- uh fans. And episode
1: 12 was Espinosa's, and we did yeah. them twice. So. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I don't know. She didn't make past 12 there. Hey, anyway. You know what? You win some, you lose some. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're not for... evil. We mm-hmm.
1: don't have badness inside of us. Mm-hmm. We're only here trying to make the nice people laugh.
0: It's okay. Yep. She left a review so thank you for that. Wonderful. That drives us up still. Uh and then we'll read 5 stars by Shanti. So funny. Great deep dives. Thank you so much Shanti. Shante? Shante. Sorry. Know. I don't know. I, it is No, Shanti. Sorry. Sha- Shanti. But i just
1: Shante sounds awesome. But Shanti is a awesome. man
0: mm-hmm. or woman? It's a woman, I believe.
1: Oh, Okay, so we got a little international one here. We have one from Marianne Cotton via Apple Podcasts Germany. This one says, great podcast. Five stars, by the way. Great podcast. Witty banter between Adam and Cody and Jordan's ghost. Love the stories and the randomness of Between the Bumbles. Thank you, Marianne Cotton. Hell yeah. I'm glad you resurrected from the grave to leave (laughs) us a review. Thank you so much for doing that, Mary. And we have another one from Canna. Canada <laughs> Canada okay and this is from Rebecca Rebeery and it says it's great and only gets better five stars these guys have become my favorite podcast the funny banter never seems over the top or forced whether you're listening to it in the background or getting completely invested into the broad spectrum of true crime that they cover whether you want to turn your brain off or on pun not intended although they do have some episodes that apply This podcast welcomes you in, and once you listen, you won't want to leave, from
0: Becca (laughs) Hurlifson. Thank you so much. Really appreciate that. Thank you, Becca (laughs) Hurlifson. I think you nailed it with that accent. Uh, I got it. You're going to make it in Sweden, I promise. You're going to be... You should go there. You can fit right in like a glove. Becca Hurlifson. (laughs) <laughs> what if you just did that to everybody there? Like, you'd probably get killed immediately, I feel uh, like. I hope so. I hope they would gonna kill me. you going to get clogged to death. If I go around something like the stupid Swedish ship. Bork, 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 bork. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, getting curb stomped, but with a clog? That would be great. <laughs> you get your head splits in two, and you get splinters all over the back Have you ever seen those
1: little, like, Swedish horses? They're, like, red and painted. They're, like, little figurines. Ah, uh, No. Well, look we him need up. One. Yeah, I want to get trampled by one. <laughs> all right. Good job, everybody. Thank you. Go to patreon.com slash bubble butt podcast. Give at any level. Patreon.com slash bubble podcast. Everything else, Bumblebuck Podcast. Make it all Bumblebutt Podcast, bitches. Hell yeah. Patreon between the Bumbles returns Wednesday. Until then, I've been Adam, that's been Cody. Thank you,
0: Cody. Thank you, Adam. Alright, everybody. Have a nice weekend. Unless it's Tuesday. Jordan, do not name your new child Carlisle.